Hello and welcome to Worst Church Ever, the progressive Christian podcast that our fundamentalist neighbor is sure loses the keys to the kingdom at least as often as we lose the keys to the house and the 87 Beretta that hasn't moved from the driveway since our last trip down the Romans Road. This is episode six, brought to you today by the fact that I really do seem to have lost my car keys. Lost, 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 right there with Toodles Marbles and poor old Dr. Arts. The narrative lectionary drops us in media res, am I saying that right? In Genesis chapter 15, but Abram slash Abraham's story really starts at the end of chapter 11. There we learn, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot of Haran, or Haran, however you want to say that, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together, they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, we don't know why Terah, Abraham, Abram's father, and his family left Ur for Canaan originally, or why they settled instead in Haran, which is an upper Mesopotamian city historically, and today is the site of the village of Haran, Turkey. Genesis 12, the next chapter, begins the story of Abraham's calling proper, stating, Yahweh had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the first of the covenants in the Abraham cycle. Now, did Abram go back to Ur before this call, or did Yahweh call Abram out of Haran? In this part of the text, we don't know, and it doesn't seem to matter. Next. Verse 4, so Abram went as Yahweh had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Verse 6, Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah in Seshem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Yahweh appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So Abram built an altar there to Yahweh who had appeared to him. Now, there are all kinds of things going on here that have to do with the history of Israel as a unified kingdom. The breakdown of that kingdom into two separate kingdoms, Israel or Ephraim in the north and Judah in the south the rivalry between those kingdoms and their leading families, the eventual destruction of the northern kingdom by Assyria, the eventual conquest of the southern kingdom, Judah, by the Babylonians, the subsequent exile of prominent families from Judah to Babylon, and the religious developments that happened in that setting. And then there is the eventual return of some, but not all, of those folks back to Judah. All of that is the stuff of forthcoming episodes, but suffice it to say that we need to read the Abraham cycle with a few different lenses. We need to look for clues about its composition in the ways it talks about land and territories and covenants, and as is true with the stories of all the patriarchs, we need to look for signs of the realities and anxieties of various possible historical periods 
We don't know when this material was written, and we don't know how long these stories were part of a greater oral tradition before the, before the emergence of the Torah as a normative text, and before the idea of a normative text existed. Uh, and that idea of a text being normative for life and religious practice is something that itself may very well have been a product of the exile in Babylon when the people of Judah were cut off from their cultic and ritual norms. Since we don't really know when this material was written, or when the oral traditions that this material came from started, we will have to work with the clues that we have. Modern scholarship suggests that great parts of the Abram story come from southern traditions, which is to say from Judah, and that's because of the prevalence of southern settings and place names, and because much of the Abram story, Abraham story, seems to come from the Yahwist, who we believe came from the southern territories. Now honestly, the next few chapters are, like my missing keys, rather vexing. We get the story of Abraham passing off his wife as his sister, Spoiler alert, she's both, question mark. And he did that uh, to the Pharaoh. He passed her off as his sister to the Pharaoh because Abram feared. I keep going back and forth, by the way, between Abram and Abraham. At this point in the story, God has not changed Abram's name to Abraham, so either name will do. But Abraham feared that Sarai, who will become Sarah, that her exceeding beauty would set the Pharaoh into a murderous David-like frenzy. That's an interesting parallel to make, considering the fact that the J-Source is considered to be a very strong supporter of the Davidic dynasty. And then, after Pharaoh makes Sarai, who I'm assuming is in her 70s as well, his wife or his concubine or whatever, Yahweh curses Pharaoh's household. Pharaoh sends Abram and his family packing, but with lots of rich stuff, Mikey, rich stuff. The tryst yielded live sheep and cattle, donkeys, servants, probably slaves, and camels. What is there to say about this, really? So I guess I'll just say this. It seems important for the text to show Abraham coming down to Egypt and getting the better of Pharaoh as a sort of archetype for Joseph and especially for Moses. If returning exiles are claiming inheritance and covenant based on Moses after the Babylonian exile, as some scholars claim, and the families who never left Judah are saying that the more important link is the older link to Abraham, and the text is showing strong links between the Abraham story and southern locales, then I suppose it becomes important for the writer of this Abraham cycle, at least in the Yahwist tradition, to assert that some of those great things that Moses did, yeah, Abraham did them first. Sick burn, I guess. One of the important things to remember here is that the text of the Hebrew Bible itself as a whole does seem to indicate a merging of different sources, or at the very least, of different traditions and different theological and social and economic and political concerns. Parsing a J story from an E story isn't just semantics. It's not just an esoteric scavenger hunt for div school neckbeards and navel gazers. If it's true that the creation of a normative scripture happened in response to the lived and the felt pressures and needs of the Hebrew people or a part of that people, and that it bears witness to a religious conversation within that community, well, then doesn't the presence of that kind of story, don't the visions of people with different hopes, fears, and existential needs make these texts all the richer? Isn't that, in a sense, what makes them sacred? 
That's my suspicion. But what do I know? I can't even find my car keys. Thank you for joining us today on Worst Church Ever. We will pick up further with the story of Abraham next time. I hope you have a great day. Consider subscribing to the pod. And other than that, we'll see you soon. <laughs>